turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. When I was a child, when I was six and running off to kindergarten, I had a lunchbox. And on that lunchbox was J.P. Morgan. He was my childhood idol. I wanted to grow up to be just like him. No, that's not true. (laughs) I had a normal childhood. I didn't get concerned about money until I was probably... 20, somewhere in that general area. Uh, I do think that one of my first childhood gifts was pretty awesome. It came from a guy named Mr. Claus, and it was a red bank, and uh, it was like a cash register, and it had an arm that every time you put in a a nickel, a dime, a quarter, it would register, and once you got to 10, oh, it locked after you put in 25 cents, and it didn't open until 10 bucks. And if you made a mistake at ten dollars, went to ten twenty-five, it locked again. Um, so literally, I'd look on the ground for money. I'd look through couches for money, and I'd learned how to count better and faster and easier and smoother. I suggest all parents consider something like that for your child. What else would I consider if you want your kids to grow up to be smart with money? Um, I think the concept of earning is a pretty good one. The earlier parents establish the concept of earning, the better. So requiring a job and a work ethic to get money put into your wallet is the concept. Lemonade stand is fine. So if you give an allowance the wrong way, you're just empowering. You can do more harm than good. So they're not learning anything. Bake sales, lemonade stands, they're learning. Um, good grades. I have no problem with you incentivizing good grades. Uh, $20 for every A on a report card, $10 for every B, and then you, they lose $10 for every C. 
straight A's gets a bonus. So hard work equals earnings. I know it's kind of a weird thing that I'm talking about this. But you also want to teach your children at an early age the concept of saving, sharing, and spending. I save for the future. I share with charities or causes that I care about. And I spend on things I want and need. That's money 101. That's personal finance 101. So once your kids have earned enough money from a bake sale or haven't completed jobs or haven't gotten an allowance, have them save some, spend some, share some. So go to the bank, open up an account. I think that's a great way to start. So take them to the store with you and show them how spending money, what $5, $10 buys. And when you show them that $5 buys a very small package of raspberries, they're going to think, you know, what do I really want to spend my money on? <clears throat> something delicious like raspberries or something crappy like uh, baked fish. I don't know. Anytime you go somewhere, tell them to bring cash with them. If you facilitate the purchase and they don't have to pay you back, that's, that's not good. So let them think about the purchase. Show them how debit cards work and credit cards. Explain why you're pulling plastic from your wallet to pay for something. If you're in a one household, in one income household, explain why that spouse who's working is at home today <clears throat> so that plastic can get replenished. <clears throat> if you have a PIN number, let them push it in. Get them working on that relationship with money. Uh, on occasion, get a coupon. And I know that's not the easiest thing to do because it's just not. There's great online coupons, but if you can have them cut out a physical coupon and you go to the store and use it, it's pretty awesome. And maybe even share half the coupon with them. So if it's $2 off a thing of Tide, you get a dollar, they get a dollar. And they see how that concept starts to work. So matching contributions, I think, is pretty powerful. It's one of the best things in a 401k that corporations do. Salem does it. I'm proud to say that. Not every company does. And the quality of employer that you retain is reflected in that. Anything you contribute to your own savings, if you're under 18, I think parents should match it. So I just encourage them. Maybe not match it dollar for dollar. Maybe that's not the message you want to send. But maybe it is. Um, I hate people like Tony Robbins. I hate people like Sue Zorman, who has kind of disappeared, thankfully, from the media landscape. In large part, they say a lot of stupid things. And they will say anything to get a transaction from you, whether it's a seminar at three to $4,000 or it's a book. That's Susie Orman. We keep her in the KDOW money closet. She ate all the money in the money closet, so we moved her to the prize closet. And there's nothing in the prize closet, so she's getting hungry. Um, yeah, so Sue Zorman one year, when I first moved to San Francisco, I had no friends. And it was kind of sad, because at Christmas time, 
Thanksgiving time, you kind of want family and friends. And I didn't really have that. My father had passed away and uh, my mother's had a couple strokes. So flying back to the East wasn't necessarily fun either. But I was astounded one morning. I woke up like Christmas morning and I was watching Susie Orman in a South African church where the skin color on most of these people were black. And this was a very, very poor community that she's talking to about the power of money and how it raises you up. And it made me want to vomit because some communities really aren't about the power of money. And some communities are about family. For me, money is something that empowers you to be you and not stressed. And one of the things, you know, one of the greatest stories I ever remember was uh, a woman told me that her grandfather used to put $5 in each hand. Sometimes he'd put like a Snickers in one hand and a Snickers in the other hand and say, pick a hand. She always won. And that was a powerful story to me that I always like, I want people to be able to do that. So show your kids, you know, you don't have to do this, but like something like Disney or Nike or what's another big one out there? Facebook, if they like to play video games, maybe Electronic Arts or Activision or NVIDIA. Um, I can't imagine a lot of girls like Barbies, but Mattel, Hasbro, if they like Star Wars figures. Um, buy a stock and then look at it every three months, six months. Show them how $1 invested turns to $2. So, and try to teach your kids the difference between a need and a want. Trying to differentiate that is harder than you would imagine. And we're a consumer-driven society. So if your kid asks for a price pair of Nikes or a sweatshirt way beyond your price range, explain that you know what a basic need is and how you have to budget for a want. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. You can kind of tell where things are in the world of real estate when you look very locally at some of the data. So... Real estate differs like gold and clay, and it is truly about location, location, location. But one of the things that I look for to show me frothiness is incentives. Let's face it, when you're hot, you don't have to give anything away for free. 
That's why some people hate beautiful women and beautiful men because life is too easy for them. They don't have to earn it. They don't have to suffer through the humiliation of asking someone out and being told, go away. Okay, so that happened a couple times. Um, but San Francisco is notorious for sky-high rental prices. And that's not going to change immediately or quickly. San Francisco rental growth has slowed, though, significantly in the last 12 months. The online uh, real estate database company Zillow said rents climbed 5.5% year versus year versus a whopping 16.4% the previous year. That's slowing. Now, again, still pretty good. Listings that once rented in just two to three weeks could now take two to three months. At least four new buildings have opened within a three-block radius of one another in the last 18 months in South and Market, which is you know, home to a lot of tech companies like Airbnb, Pinterest, and Yelp. Um, now, if you just take a look at these four buildings, you could see that they're pitching you know, four weeks of free rent, free on-site storage, $1,000 discount to renters who work at tech companies like Apple, Facebook, and Yahoo, i.e. if you're working, if you live in the city, they'll give you some extra money because they know you're commuting. Um, and it's just trickery. It's just, you know, uh, bonuses. And it tells you that when things are great, they don't do that. But there's been a slowdown in tech hiring. And tech layoffs have more than doubled in the first four months of 2016 compared with the previous year. You've got companies trying to raise funds from or venture capital, and it's not as easy as it used to be. So if you have a half-baked idea, you're probably not getting money. So if you've got a 20th century food delivery idea, you're probably not going to make money unless you make it into the 21st century food delivery startup idea. So... Um, there's a glut of housing right now. You can look on Craigslist where you can see one month free. It's a popular tagline in listings spanning from San Francisco proper to Oakland to San Jose to Cupertino, almost to Santa Cruz. So I pulled up one ad that says, Welcome home, one month free, no app fees, $500 deposit. And that'll get you an 845 square foot one bedroom in San Jose. Love where you live, one month free, $500 Visa gift card. So I think the fact remains that the incentives are telling you that things are slowing and the time to get someone in is lengthening. Uh, does that mean now is the time to sell, 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 sell? Look, I look at real estate as you're going to go through some cycles. And you may not want to admit that, you know, some people don't, you know. When real estate crashed in 2006 to 2008, a lot of people went bankrupt. And just wait a couple minutes, you'll hear a commercial like, uh, is now the time to buy real estate? Real estate is wonderful. Real estate cured my hemorrhoids. You'll hear that. But you forget there's been two major crashes in real estate in, since 2000. Two major crashes. And sometimes you could start seeing the writing on the wall by taking a look at apartment rents. In the end, interest rates are so low. Uh, I could tell you that in 10, 15, 20 years, I'm going to kick myself if I don't get into that retirement home that I want now. Even though I'm 15 years off, I'm going to kick myself because rates are so low. Um, 
And do I think we'll get real estate appreciation in the next 15 years? Probably a little. Do I think it'll be in the next three years? Probably not. I recently told you the story that I was talking to my neighbor, Bill. And uh, he's, he's about the same age as I am, and he's probably thinking the next 15 years. He's got some kids that are starting to go off to college. And he said, as long, you know, Rob, as long as I get 3%, you know, if the home improves 3% a year, um, each year for the next 15 years, I'm, I'm set. I'm like, Bill, we've had a glorious run since 2008. Like, it's going to it's going to end bad. It's not going to end bad. It's going to revert back to non-glorious. Um, I had one period of my life where I'm not going to say I was a chick magnet because that sounds horrific. But I think I was a chick magnet. Like, people really liked me probably because of my job. And then you go through a period where you can't get people to talk to you. Same thing happens in housing. Same thing happens in the stock market. You know, back in the 1990s, uh, working as an investment advisor, people would come up to me and, you know, there was years where the market was up 90% in one year. <laughs> like, really? Uh-huh. You could buy a company like Yahoo at 60 and by lunchtime it was at 70. By dinner, it was 75, and the next morning it was 80. Um, and you kick yourself because you didn't buy more, but at the time you're like, it's roller coaster. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, I like people to get to retirement. I like people to you know put some perspective on things. And it, it, when you're down to your last 10, 15 years, don't make some stupid assumptions. I think that's where you can get yourself into trouble. Um, I think one of the most important financial decisions you make in your life, certainly your house, right? Yeah. Um, your career, that's huge. Um, but how are you going to handle your income in your golden years? You know, when do you retire is a big question. And I want your golden years to be as golden as they possibly can be. Not like on Golden Pond, which I saw some stand-up comic where he's talking about the porn version. Like every movie, they take the title and they, they change it to a porn version. And this one was something to do with Goldie Hawn. Um, but on Golden Pond was just, I, I didn't like the movie. I think it did well at the academies and Henry Fonda is the cranky old man. <laughs> I'm not fond of easy characters to play. And he's a cranky old man. But his retirement, I mean, on a lake, are you kidding me? Gorgeous. But if I were her and I had to put up with him, I'd... Hopefully there's some extra money for a gun, if you know what I'm saying. Shut up, you cranky old man. <laughs> anyway, you can find me online, robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. You listen to Rob Black Show. Find me on Twitter at Rob Black Show and YouTube, Rob Black Show.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. We have Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com on to give us a little market updates, a little market insights. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. It's been a while since we've talked, but has anything changed on Wall Street since then? Well, um, the market's still range-bound, <laughs> so I guess okay. you could say, uh, say no, but... Um, but of course, there's always things going on. That um, you know, since we last talked, we you know seen the start of the third quarter earnings reporting period unfold, um, and that's going to create uh, plenty of headlines for us in the next in the, in the next several weeks here. So we're moving into earnings season. How important is this earnings season that we're starting to get news on? Well, from from my vantage point, I think it's a really important earnings reporting season, only because. The, the market is so much tied up in this belief that you're going to see an acceleration in, in earnings growth again uh, starting in the fourth quarter and continuing into the first half of 2017. And 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 because it's believing that is why uh, it's been able to sort of kind of hold its nose at some of these higher valuations in the in the stock market right now, because um, it believes that the market will ultimately grow into that to that valuation with better economic and better earnings growth down the road. Here, um, you know, we've seen uh, S and P 500 earnings uh, quarterly earnings decline on a year-over-year basis for five straight quarters now. Um, the forecast going into the third quarter here would set us up for a, a sixth consecutive decline there. However, given uh, the history of earnings reporting, where you typically see the final results come in, um, you know, approximately three percentage points better than what the estimate is going into that reporting period. Uh, it should bear out that we see positive earnings growth here in the third quarter. So, so that would be regarded as an inflection point and an important inflection point, I think, um, for the market. But, uh, but it's necessary that we get there because uh, if we continue to see earnings uh, underwhelm and continue to see earnings decline against valuations that continue to stretch further uh, is just not a good fundamental backdrop. And I think it's, you know, one of the limitations here for the market right now is that there, you know, uh, are some underlying concerns about uh, earnings not, not measuring up, perhaps. You reported briefly in your page one column this morning that Netflix beat expectations and as part of the FANG stocks, it's up huge today. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Netflix can move 18, 19, 20% in one single day. Uh, let's talk a little Netflix. And is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is it? I feel old. I feel like, um, why wasn't I in on that investment? Why wasn't I in on that trade? Well, you know, I mentioned to someone the other day, too, right after the report came out, is, you know, it's always this shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, I should have been in that stock before it went up 20%. Okay. But, yeah, it can go down 20%, too. I think after its second quarter report, when it failed to live up to growth expectations, the stock went down 15%. So it's just one of those really high beta, actively traded names uh, that, that, you know, has a momentum tag attached to it. And when, when the going's good there, it gets really good. And when the going's bad, it can get really bad in a hurry. So with respect to the third quarter, you have to hand it to Netflix. Um, I think they reported a really uh, strong quarter relative to expectations. 
um, showed some really strong subscri- uh, net subscriber growth there. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons behind why the stock is acting so well in the immediate aftermath of that report is that there was a good bit of concern heading into it that uh, that Netflix wasn't going to live up to, you know, subscriber growth expectations. And so it appeared as if there was a building short interest position in the stock ahead of that report. And uh, so I would imagine that there's now some short covering activity going on that's helping to exacerbate that move. But um, but I think the fact that Netflix, you know, offered some really uh, reassuring guidance and because it uh, essentially in that third quarter helped validate this business model that rides on, um, you know, original content and international expansion, I think that all came to fruition in the third quarter and, and uh, you know, investors are, are rewarding the company because of it. It's interesting. Um, we both know young people and... I tried to watch network TV last night and I just couldn't do it. It was just awful. So I kind of, you know, I keep seeing studies out that YouTube and Netflix are dominating network TV. And I don't even think it's a, an elderly thing where I think it's like network TV just stinks comparatively. But any thoughts on that as a man who knows some young people? <laughs> well, I'm getting up there myself. So, uh, and I can say just from my own personal experience too, is that, you know, I'll, I'll probably, you know, uh, I'll rotate between ESPN and, and then Netflix. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm not watching a lot of network TV myself either. But it, but I think it just kind of it does go to show that um, uh, not just within the realm of movie viewing, but just really anything that you know, content is king, right? We've heard that moniker for for many years now with the uh, uh, with the explosion of the internet and. Um, and if you've got the content, you're going to get the eyeballs, um, you know, in uh, on some form factor, whether it's you know TV or a smartphone or a tablet or something. Um, if you if you're in a position where you're paying for something, you want to you want to see good things and you want to get your money's worth. And Netflix continues to deliver on that front, so it continues to attract uh, plenty of eyeballs and plenty of subscribers. And it's um, you know it's obviously turning into a good thing for that company. I live in a f- pretty bizarre world. I live in San Francisco, the Bay Area, and I drive 101 every day, which is a, a big road between San Jose and San Francisco. And I see nothing but cranes, nothing but construction. Home builder sentiment came out today, and it fell slightly, but it remains near 2016 highs. How important is home building at this point in time? Well, um, it, you know, it's, it's an important component of, of the economy there, and I think. Uh, you know what you can you see in those sentiment reports is that while home builder sentiment seems to be up, you know this was the second highest reading uh, in 2016, uh, even though it was down from the prior month a bit. Um, you're not seeing real strong levels of, of buyer traffic um, either, and um, there's some a uh, little bit of confusion there as to why that might be when you see mortgage rates so low these days and. And it, it would appear to be that the offset is that you you also have high prices um, that are making you know the affordability factor not as uh, not as clear as it might otherwise seem to be with these low mortgage rates. So what is really relevant here is more the demand factor. I think that you know these home builders have talked about um, having difficulty finding labor to you know to build their homes and that the cost of labor has gone up. Um, but I think you know like any capitalists, uh, you know, these home builders will keep on building if they know that the, you know, the demand is going to be there. And so, um, so you, 
need greater levels of household formation. I think that that uh, have, has been slow to you know to happen after the the financial crisis here. But you know, if we continue to see uh, stronger labor market growth, higher wages, um, coupled with the persistence of low interest rates, then I do think you do start to see that that you know demand pick up again, uh, and that would certainly be a good thing for these home builders. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, I start every single day with his page one. He gives a weekly um, kind of cap at the end of the week as well. Anything that you're working on right now that we should be paying attention to, Mr. O'Hare? Uh, well, just in the you know the immediate future here, we're going to get a lot of uh, important data out of China tonight. Um, okay. And China's kind of, to me, it feels like China's sort of been just kind of hanging out there on its own, uh, you know, flying under the radar in a way um, for the last several weeks and months as I think as the market's been more and more preoccupied with our election here and with some of the goings-on in, in Europe, you know, in the wake of Brexit. And, uh, and I think that this data coming out of China tonight will get the market reoriented to that economy and, and uh, what we saw late last week with that trade balance report, which was really disappointing. Um, you know, you want to see some some better numbers coming out of China, uh, particularly with the yuan now trading back near a six-year low. And so if you get you know, weak, weak data, there could be concerns about competitive devaluations and the like that create some upset for global markets. And so, so we'll be watching that overnight and engaging the, the market's reaction to that uh, here in the very immediate future. How does someone invest in a China without giving specific investment advice, without Knowing that the the listener should consult a broker advisor for taking the action on your stocks mentioned, how would you tell a family member to invest in China? Do you do it? Do you not do it? Do you go indexes? Do you go to ETFs? Do you go managed funds because they actually have boots on the ground? What are your theories on investing yeah, in foreign uh, lands? Right, right. You know, I think in like for the average investor, I think you 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 do work more through actively managed funds. You know, with with companies that have people on the ground that. They really have a good feel for the politics, the economy, the social structure there. Um, it's probably your best uh, avenue because the volatility around those managed funds, those mutual funds, will be you know will be less than it might be in say an, uh, an ETF like the uh, like the FXI or something like that. Um, you know, it's just it's just a hard place to to invest in, um, and uh, and so it's probably best to leave it to professionals in that respect and trying to set out on your own to find a, you know the next great Chinese company. Sounds good, and I mostly agree with that because when I was a younger man, I guess this whole segment goes back to that. I so badly wanted to hit the home runs, and China looked like the home run, and it's it's just difficult to figure out what the one is, what Chinese politics are, what different cities are in China. Um, I prefer boots on the ground. But anyway, thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. I start every single morning checking in with briefing.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. This is the Strumbellas. They're a Juno award-winning modern folk collective. Whatever happened to rock bands, right? Now we're collectives. Um, I dig this song. It's Spirits. It's the first song that they put out of their new album. Uh, They've put out two more songs that I think are just as good. Um, And I like a catchy hook. I'll suck it up and say that um, one of the things I try to do on this show is to throw in a little bit of my personal taste and hopefully you go that's cool um, so uh, the album is Hope um, there's a song on it Shovels and Dirt which is top notch We Don't Know it just came out top notch Spirits um, sadly these actually all came out last year but they're just getting into the mainstream now um, I like going to shows, music shows that are small. I won't go to the Oakland Arena or the SAP Center unless it is absolutely positively imperative. Like, that guy may die soon. <clears throat> so I'd rather go to the Little Fox, uh, the Fox Theater in Oakland than SAP Center. And damn it if I'll ever pay for parking at Oakland uh, Coliseum. I just find that offensive what they've tried to pull off there. So anyway, Strumbellas. Um, award-winning band collective excuse me collective gotta keep that in mind 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air anything you want to talk about we could talk about Billy Bush leaves NBC Um, again just I, I caution people be careful what you say it has ramifications be careful what you post on Facebook um, this election season has been so how shall we say uh, ugly or uh, yeah I, th- I think that's it whether well, it was Bernie and Hillary versus Trump and Cruz and then Trump and Hillary uh, there's people on Facebook that I, will, I won't actually hang out with anymore because I just find it like do you really have to post three times a day on your displeasure with someone in the, in the candidacy and you look and like one person will comment most one person will like, and I'm like, this person's staying at home just filled with venom and hate and pith. Um, I know you're saying pith. I don't know if that's the right use of word. I know you can pith an animal, put a nail through its brain and kill it like a frog in high school. Um, but yeah, there's people who are posting on, on Facebook that I'm just like, I will no longer just, and I don't even care which candidate it is. I'm just like, you have nothing else to do. So anyway, Billy Bush, um, you know, he crossed that line in that, that bus thing when he told the, the actress to give the, give the Donald a hug. Um, pretty crazy. So you're going to, at some point in time, you're going to have to own up to what you type. You're going to have to own up to what you post. And, uh, <clears throat> 
Anyway, I just throw that out there for you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I think everyone should really tell their kids, be careful what you post, because it can and will come back to haunt you. I've got a friend whose daughter's in college right now, and she posts some of the raciest pictures on Facebook, um, which is it's titillating. <laughs> I'll say that. It's, it's certainly sexy. Um, but down the road, someone may say, you know what? We don't want to hire that because... You know, there could be a, a sexual assault, not a sexual assault, but a, a sexual, you know, one woman doesn't want, one man doesn't want, but something could come back to haunt. And uh, I'd prefer merit always. So just be careful. Regions Financial, it's a regional bank, came in three cents above expectations. It's nice to see. We're in kind of earning season. But what they said was they saw a decline in business loans during an otherwise positive quarter. So that's one of the things you have to try to pay attention to is don't go, hey, they beat earnings because earnings can be managed. I could fire you. I can say go home for a two-week vacation. Ooh, we hit earnings. But if I also say, you know, I'm cutting staff to help make ends meet down the road, you kind of get the idea. Johnson Johnson came in two cents above expectations. Company raised its full-year forecast. Thanks in part to increased drug sales. I like Johnson & Johnson. Um, when I was a baby, my mama put you know no more tears shampoo on my head. And today, if you have a baby, you put no more tears shampoo on its head. And that's just, that's good marketing. That's good branding. And yeah, certainly every now and then something comes along and kind of can usurp that. But um, they've done well. United Health Group, big insurance company, healthcare insurance company. They beat forecasts and they raised their full year outlook, thanks in part to falling claim costs. Um, I'm always disappointed with how health insurance works out. I honestly feel that there's a bait and switch that's in the industry. And sometimes, and again, I know this sounds like, are you that much of a, a freak, Rob, that you're afraid of the insurance? And I kind of am. I feel that they'll say, okay, we'll approve almost anything you want. Sign up here. And then you get in and they're like, oh, you need a doctor's note before you do that. So we can't go back and do that. But you said, I, I can do anything. Oh, but you need to send in 14 forms for 14 different visits. It's never easy. And it seems like it's paperwork just to get you frustrated to the point that you, you kind of give up. Chipotle was downgraded today. Um, Raymond James said that they've lost some customers forever. And not like the E. coli thing happened and people go, got over it. It's like they lost them forever. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube RobBlackShow.com. Come on.